that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And you're getting this later Tuesday afternoon, really more Tuesday evening. But that's because we spoke with Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and Denzel Burke. So the head coach of the team and the offense, the head coach of the defense, and then three of the most important members of a 2021 Ohio State recruiting class who was one of the highly rated, most highest highest rated classes in history at the time of its signing, and none of those guys have beaten Michigan, and they've been a vital part of this team in 2023. But first, let's start with day, because I think the word and the theme of the day, Nathan, is respect. Jim Knowles got asked about, not, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh got asked, does he respect Ryan Day? On Monday, we talked about Jim Harbaugh and his legacy and stuff like that on the Monday possible. Check that out. We got to talk to Ryan Day about it on Tuesday. And then Ryan Day also got asked about does he respect Jim Harbaugh? And plenty of players got asked, do they respect the Michigan program? And in more words than not, both sides seem to say no without saying no. It's only the word of the day because... Reporters are asking about it. Ohio State's not going to wouldn't be talking about respect if we weren't asking about it. Michigan wouldn't be talking about respect if if we weren't asking about it either. I don't think. Um, I understand why people are asking those questions. I thought they were valid questions, but let's just, just to be upfront about that. Like it's not it's not a agenda that Ohio State or Michigan are pushing this week. It's it's what what people in our jobs are trying to take to them. But it is pretty clear that with the events of this year, with events of the past that this has been building for a while. I mean, this was already going to be a incendiary week just based on what's happened in the, in the Ryan day tenure with Michigan. And there was already bad blood. And then all this stuff has happened. And then, and then the Michigan wins two in a row. So then now there's a different kind of bad blood percolating on the Ohio state side. And now all these Michigan allegations have come out. And now the blood is like completely rancid, especially when you factor in that there's a portion of the Michigan fan base that thinks that Ohio State and or Ryan Day and or the ghost of Woody Hayes or whoever is pulling the strings on all of this. So it's going to be a really intense, potentially ugly atmosphere on Saturday. And I think that's worth talking about because the way that the question was phrased today to Ryan Day was a little bit different than the way it was maybe phrased to Jim Harbaugh on Monday. But today was more from a standpoint of there used to be a mutual respect in this rivalry, and now there's not. And I think both teams are sort of setting that aside. Like I said, they're not, it's not in the forefront of their minds, but it could affect what happens on the field Saturday? It could be that whichever team handles this void of respect better and is, you know, I thought it was, there was another question that was asked of Ryan Day earlier about, you know, processing emotions, handling emotions, and how you don't want to be the team that instigates something. You also don't want to be the team that is the one that gets caught doing something and maybe the first thing didn't get seen and now you're the one that's penalized. Like, how are you handling the, um, the raw emotion of this game 
And the, 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 what's going to be going on in the stands is probably going to contribute to that raw emotion. Steven, you and I wrote a story that ran about a year ago at this time about the experience that Ohio State parents had at that game and what happened before, during, and after that game, kind of leading into last year's game. And they had a rough time, like especially when it was apparent that Michigan was going to win that game. There were people storming down the aisles, and they were pretty vocal with anybody who was wearing scarlet and gray or Ohio State colors. And I think it's going to be a rough environment maybe there on Saturday. Not that it probably isn't sometimes for Michigan fans coming here, but the, the events of this year have have made it worse. So I think it could be a factor in the actual football, whether they want to talk about it or not, that you've got to be the team that handles the hate better. Andrew, I asked Jimmy about this since he was there on Monday, about what the vibe felt like in the building while they were doing interviews. I'll ask you, what did the vibe around Ohio State feel like today, talking with two coaches and four different players? Aside from Denzel Burke, and we will talk about him specifically, I'm sure. It felt very much like, okay, you know how like there's like whenever you see like a genuine fist fight about to happen, you have somebody getting held back. It felt like that scene was going on in Ohio State players and coaches' brains a little bit. It felt like they all wanted to say, I hate this team. I hate this program and this team, this program being Michigan, not themselves, obviously. I hate Michigan. I hate, well, I guess they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even say Michigan, but they wanted to say something, you know, Emeka Buka, you would have thought that you were talking to him in May, just sitting on a boat somewhere, just chilling, just having a nice Memorial Day weekend. He was very calm. He was very you know, just the the demeanor that he had, it was very, you know, hey, it's a big game this week and we've got to go out and, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling healthy. It was very calm. But if you look at the words that he said, it was different, if that makes any kind of sense. Like he said, you know, you come to Ohio State to win one game and you can see the fire kind of there and you could see them trying to hold it back. So the vibe that I got was very much like this, just this, uh, I'm trying to think of the phrase, but like just pending explosion of, of emotion and pending, um, you know, I, I guess just pending, um, intensity that these guys are trying to build up. Like Emeka mentioned, like, look, it's only Tuesday. We play this game on Saturday. You can't let yourself spiral before Saturday. And I thought that that was a really interesting point because he's right. If you you can build yourself up for 365 days to play this game, and that's one thing, but you can't go into Tuesday practice with the same intensity that you ha- you're going to have on Saturday. Because if you do, if you do that all week, you're going to mentally and emotionally and physically wear yourself out for this game. It's got to be a slow build. And they talked about that a lot. So Yeah, the vibe that I got was very muffled. You know, I made this comment in our one of our YouTube videos. It felt like some of these guys on, you know, their left side of their brain was telling them, you know, shut up, shut up, shut up, don't say anything. And the other side of their brain was saying, hey, guys, let's let Michigan have it right now. And it felt like those two things were at war and they were just really trying their hardest not to say what they actually feel. Nathan, amongst the things that Ryan Day got asked about, 
I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this really since he said it back after the Michigan game, heading into the Georgia game, the being loose and not being so uptight Ryan Day thing, the Georgia version of Ryan Day. Well, the Georgia version of Ryan Day, quote unquote, was born out of what happened a month earlier in this game against Michigan. And now it's come back around and we were sitting in there last year and it did feel maybe a little bit more uptight. And I'm not saying that guys are you know lollygagging around or not, but it did feel looser and how Ryan Day was talking outside of Denzel Burke, obviously, but and we'll get to that in a minute, but it did feel less uptight than it maybe was a year ago, even if the stakes are so much higher than they were a year ago heading into a game like this. Uh, they, they are higher. I mean, it, it, in some ways, I guess they're, they're higher for for the narrative reasons that the, the reality on the field is exactly the same. You got to win to this game to win the Big Ten East to go to the Big Ten Championship, and you may not make the playoff if you lose it. In fact, it's probably even more likely this year that they, you don't. So yeah, it, it's it's the stakes are higher. I've been trying to figure out because because it wasn't like Ryan Day was especially like loosey goosey today, uh, but I I do think that there is a different vibe around the program in so much as, and we, we debated this over the summer and after the fact, right after the game last year on Buckeye talk. And, you know, there were people who thought, you know, you need to go hire Jim Trestle and you need to go like do all these like pageantry things. And I just kept coming back to, you, you've got to be better at playing the football like Michigan. And we know now things possibly that affected how the football went. I understand but that even to me further emphasizes that all of the the um getting too lost in the mystique isn't positive and i think that was happening a little bit last year that i think there is a line that you can cross and i think you've got to just be more focused on the football and right you know today come accord and i'm sure that there are people who saw these comments and took them the wrong way so we should talk about it i think early on like Comicord was basically saying this is week is about football. We have to worry about football. Mm-hmm. He's not saying it, you have to treat it like another football game. He's not saying it is another football game. He's saying you have to treat it like another mm-hmm. football game. Otherwise, it ends up as another football loss. He didn't those are my words, but that's more or less what he's saying. That if you're if you get too far out ahead of yourself, if you start to make too much of the peripheral things, you're not focused on the thing that's right in front of you. You can't lose sight of things. I mean, you can take that analogy any number of ways. And I think that I just getting a vibe around this team. And I almost think that the crap that's going on at Michigan helps Ohio State. Because it's even more reason for this coaching staff to say, none of that matters. Nothing that's going on over there matters except for what 22 positions are doing at all times. And, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. also came in and said some similar things, I thought, about, you know, this. He said at one point, like, this is the biggest game we could possibly play in. And then at a different point, sort of echoed McCord's comments about how, mm-hmm. but we have to just pretend this is another football game. We have to treat it like another football game. And, I don't think you do that. They don't do that 358 days a year. I think for these seven, they have to. I think you have to be focused on X's and O's and your fundamentals and your execution of a game plan that is based about football. It's not a game plan that's based about gold pants and is based on things Jim Harbaugh has said. And it's based on 
Jim Tressel and Woody Hayes and not being John Cooper's teams. Like it, all of that stuff can't be anywhere near your head this week. It has to be about Blake Corm and JJ McCarthy and Mike Sandra still and Chris Jenkins and guys who are going to be trying to hurt you and, and take the ball from you and keep you out of the end zone on Saturday. I thought in their own little ways, because all of the all the four people we five people we talked to today have very different personalities. Obviously, Cody Simon, Cody Simon as well. So not all 2021 guys, but Cody Simon was saying some of those same things. It's like to Andrew's point as well. It's you can't win the game on Tuesday. You've got to let Tuesday be Tuesday. They all were kind of talking the same way. Cody Simon was getting asked stuff like, "How often are you just watching Michigan film during the year, like on a week to week basis?" and they do it a little bit. They don't do it as intensely as they do in the offseason. But, you know, there's periods dedicated to the Michigan game. But on a week-by-week basis, you're still preparing for a football game that's that Saturday. So I do think, yeah, that's right. We have to bring that up because all of them kind of said the same thing, that all of this stuff is happening. They understand it. They all even acknowledged it in their own way, calling it the biggest rivalry in the world. Uh, Denzel Burke even said, I don't have a pair of gold pants yet. They all acknowledge that stuff. But – once they're in the building and they're doing football stuff, that has to be the focus on preparing the best way they can for a football game because we get to talk about all the other stuff. They have to spend a certain amount of time per day just worrying about the football stuff because you're right, Nathan. They lost a football game last year. It just also happened to be against their rival, so it's magnified times 100. We also talked with Jim Knowles, who I think <laughs> – Jim Knowles is an interesting dude to talk to sometimes, especially when he talks to us because he gets real in person with it at times. A lot of the questions to Jim Knowles, Nathan, were what did you learn about last year and how you handled the game last year? I think he even got asked questions along the lines of how we've sometimes talked about it. Did you make the right calls and just didn't have the right personnel to execute it the right way versus were you being overly aggressive and you maybe shouldn't have been overly aggressive and he had an interesting way of talking about that, that I think I actually understand how he was saying it's almost like he, he used his own coaches that he used to have as a way of example. It's like, you got to live in the present, but you've also got to learn from the past a little bit. So it doesn't seem like while we've been talking about it for a year and some change about how he handled the Michigan game, it's not playing as big of a role in how he's going to handle it this time around. What he was specifically asked was, I thought, a really good question. It was a question I was going to ask him, and it was the first question he got. It wasn't for me. But it was, you know, you talked a lot about the adjustments you made last year, and now you're going into this game, and obviously those changes have been beneficial. But you're going into this game, that wasn't part of the question. I'm just throwing that in there. Um, you're going into this game, and now maybe you made good calls, and Michigan was cheating, and that's what thwarted those calls. Not those calls wouldn't have failed if Michigan hadn't been cheating. So how do you, how do you like um, reconcile that? And his answer to that was, you almost kind of can't worry about it. You, you have to focus on what's happening right now because I thought he, the ultimately he, he went, he did, he went through this whole very like drawn out thing about his uh, father, Vincent tiger from uh, his, his freshman history teacher in, in Catholic school. But he gets to the end and he says, but ultimately we're better right now because of it. So we've got to stick with it. And I think that is, again, the right way to say it. So you go to your players and say, if they're coming to you and asking questions, say, well, who cares if they were cheating last year? Like, 
I mean, care about it, I suppose. But in terms of this game, what do we know? We know that because Michigan did those things, Ohio State approached the way it played defense better, and now it might be the best defense in the country. And it's, it is the best defense in the country at allowing explosive plays and explosive touchdowns. Like they've had, they've allowed one play of 40 plus yards this year, and it was on a fake, a fourth down like trick play. So it worked. Like it, it made them better. And I think for this game, there is so much more that is going to come out about Michigan and this whole scandal. And it's not going to get adjudicated on the field completely on Saturday. I know that it'll be sort of phrased that way or maybe like put in that light. And there are certain aspects of that that are maybe legitimate, but the the truth of what happened at Michigan is in the on the distant horizon. What's on the immediate horizon? Actually, it's not even on the horizon. It's like it, it's right in their face. Like that is just about again, as you said before, playing good football. So I thought his answer was the right one, which is you could drive yourself crazy now, second guessing the changes you've made and go in and go away from what's worked this year and get too cute with it and say, well, that would have worked last year if they hadn't been cheating, so I'm going to dial it up again. And I don't expect them to do that. I expect, uh, them to, I expect to see a continuation of the defensive attack that we've seen from Ohio State all year, which is more being more judicious with the blitzes, like picking their moments a little bit more, giving players the freedom to make um, – Decisions off of formations and things like that. It's a little bit tougher because Michigan does a good job of disguising those things. But, you know, what Jordan Hancock has done all year is a blitzer against the run, what some other players have done. Like, they're going to they're gonna do all those things. I just think that they – Jim Knowles has the right perspective on this, in my opinion, which is uh, there will be a time to think about that. But for now, you know that you're a better defense today than you were going into that game, and that's what matters. I think Jim Knowles got most of, like – even some football stuff because we were getting into it, Nathan, with the hey, how much, how do you want to use Sonny Styles in a game like this when you maybe don't have the freedom because there's no Lathan Ransom? How do you balance having Jordan Hancock as your nickel while also maybe putting Jihad Carter out there so he can be your top safety so you can have Sonny Styles and that stuff? Ryan Day didn't get as many of those questions, but he did get a lot of questions, Andrew, about another thing that's on top of all the different narratives. There's a million different narratives going into this game on Saturday, but one of which that has been, I don't want to say staring both of these programs in the face, but it's been a long time coming to get to this point was back in 2019, Kyle McCord and JJ McCarthy were developing into five-star recruits in the 2021 class. What Ohio State picked Kyle McCord over JJ McCarthy in that situation. And there have been moments when JJ McCarthy has been very vocal about the fact that he feels wronged by Ohio State not choosing him over Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord, not so much. In fact, I was having a short conversation with him after he talked today, and he, I, I kind of knew this, but I never really talked to him about this. He didn't even know about that whole saga of how it, things played out with Ohio State and J.J. McCarthy until after he was already committed in three or four months into his commitment when J.J. McCarthy came out and made a big deal about it. When you look at those two, and is this an opportunity for Kyle McCord to prove Ryan Day right about which one of these quarterbacks he picked almost four years ago now? Yes. And there was another good question asked to Ryan about how do you not let Kyle think that that's the case? And I think that, so there's two different sides of that coin. Yes, it is a chance for Kyle McCord to say, this is why you chose me. 
and Kyle McCord also absolutely cannot look at it as the reason as the game to say, this is the reason why Ryan day chose me. And I have to prove that, you know, like obviously McCarthy, I mean, McCarthy's as self-admitted. He grew up an Ohio state fan and he grew up, you know, rooting for the Buckeyes and, you know, it with, without relitigating kind of all of that, like there is obviously history there. Ryan did his best. And I actually thought, you know, he was very like, complimentary of him you know he spoke highly of him as a player spoke highly of him as a person mentioned that all interactions with McCarthy's family were good um he spoke he spoke far more highly about JJ McCarthy than he did Jim Harbaugh um he was very well, much like in the much. in like the well, I, yeah exactly well that I, I like I do think that is like it's not saying much but I think it's interesting um that you know he was he was very complimentary of them as as uh, McCarthy's family I mean as people and who McCarthy is as a player. And I thought that when, when you look at this game, I the more we get into it and the deeper we get into this week and the more you start to watch, listen, read everything, the more I'm kind of looking at this game as who can do less wrong, if that makes any sense. Like I'm looking at this game like Kyle McCord can prove that he was the right quarterback for Ryan Day, maybe by not even going out there and throwing for 303 touchdowns. Like, if you can run the offense efficiently and run the offense as you need it to to win, I think that that does enough proving. I think that that does the job, right? Like, I don't like JJ McCarthy could go out there and have a great game and and do all the things well you know, that he has to do well for Michigan to win and just lose the game. And as long as Kyle McCord does the things that Ryan Day is asking him to do, I think that that would kind of prove that he made the right decision because that is kind of what we've seen from Kyle McCord this year, right? Like we've seen a lot of good. We've seen a fair amount of dicey, you know, a fair amount of things where he'll kind of flirt with disaster. And I just think that this is the right opportunity to show growth and say the the, the last guy who just went to the NFL, he couldn't beat Michigan and I can. And I think that that's a, it's a unique challenge this week. So Kyle McCord can look at it that way. I would recommend he doesn't, but I think it's absolutely the chance for McCord to get to, to, to just prove the whole situation. Correct. Because like you said earlier, like if McCarthy wins this game, he's three and zero against, against Ohio state. One thing before you go, Nathan, I don't even know if you meant to say this, Andrew, but the right was right that Kyle McCord was the right quarterback for Ryan Day. I think yes. that's a very yeah. different way of looking at it than just going because right now they just say is Ryan Day right? Well, did he pick the better quarterback? Right? It's like who's better, and that's Correct. a different conversation than having a conversation, Nathan, of who's the right quarterback for Ryan Day for Ohio State for the system Ohio State runs, and we've seen that already with you know C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins. We see what an Ohio State quarterback is supposed to look like. And day goes into the toughness and all that stuff. But even from a skill and talent standpoint, some of the things that are needed, that are almost non-negotiables for what Ohio State quarterback has to be, is that the more important way to look at was Ryan Day right? Was he right in picking the right quarterback for the way he wants to run offense? Well, yeah, I mean, it's these are two very different offenses to the point where it's almost – it's really hard to compare them in some ways um, comparing McCarthy and McCord because they're just asked to do such different things. When when Ohio state players are asked today about come or about JJ McCarthy, it's about 
you know, he's really a playmaker. He can really, he's really creative. He's always dangerous, you know, with the ball in his hands. Like he, he'll, he, he, we got to try to contain him, those sorts of things, because his game is not pass first and it's not pass strength to me, like from watching him, I'm still at times not that impressed with him as a, as a passer, as a downfield passer in terms of accuracy, in terms of well, accuracy, actually is maybe the biggest, the biggest thing. Like, I feel like it gets a little wobbly for him at times and things can get sideways quick on him. We've seen that happen at times in his career. So, you know, last week was a good example that Maryland game. Like it was, it was kind of iffy. It was kind of iffy. It was just leading to the touchdown that he, or the, sorry, the interception, the eventually threw uh, in the red zone right before halftime. So, Whereas on the other side of things, and I know the common cord, as any like developing quarterback will have, has had his issues too with 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 uh, turnover worthy plays. But I think that Ryan Day probably saw someone with a higher ceiling as a passer, and that's what this offense needs more. I would argue very strongly. Like, would you really rather have a quarterback who's more mobile but can utilize Marvin Harrison Jr. less? and utilize whoever like Ryan day at the time might not have been thinking specifically about Marvin Harrison jr. But he knew that they were going to have three of the best receivers in the big 10, whoever they were by the time Kyle McCord was going to start. So I think that was the decision was to get the guy who was the best fit for that vision of an offense. And it fits Ohio state better than JJ McCarthy would, I would argue. And I think JJ McCarthy probably fits what Michigan does better than what Kyle McCord does. So um, I think that is a more interesting way to look at this than the, the, the what ifs of, well, what if one program had, if, if Ryan Day had picked J.J. McCarthy. I, I don't really think it necessarily would have paid off better. It's, it's, it, it's just such a different offense, and he's asked to do different things than what Kyle McCord is asked to do. The answer is going to be determined by who maximizes their situation better with, to your point, what they're asked to do. If Kyle McCord is asked to go out there and throw the ball 25 times, can he be efficient? You know, can he keep this offense on schedule? Can he do the things that we've seen Ohio State quarterbacks do in these high leverage situations? While with J.J. McCarthy, to your point, I don't want to call him a handoff. I mean, he was a handoff machine in the second half against Penn State, but it is just less on his plate and more just can he make a throw every so often. But other than that, the game is going to come down to for Michigan, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and how well they run the ball and how well this offensive line for Michigan runs the ball as well. A couple of news items before we take a break, because there were some of that along with all this, you know, big picture talk. Nathan, are we expecting Mike Hall to be available? And what did and Jim Knowles kind of I mean, he loves Tommy Eichenberg, but I think he really loved Tommy Eichenberg the way he was talking about him on Tuesday. What did Jim Knowles have to say about Eichenberg? And then what did Ryan Day have to say about potentially having Mike Hall back for Saturday's game? Yeah, I mean, Mike Hall himself said that he's going to play on Saturday. I think that was probably the the more definitive answer there. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Day has been a little bit coy with injury stuff. So, um, and, and there's times, depending on the injury, where he there's things he, he can't give us a definitive answer. And if Mike Hall was dealing with a head injury, which his answer yesterday to that question sort of to me indicated that that is what it was. He said something like I hit the quarterback and I came up kind of rough. And that to me wasn't, I came up kind of rough because I bumped my elbow. I think it's more like I came up kind of rough. Like I didn't know where I was for, for a minute or something like, cause it's rough. It's football. It's concussions happen. So I still think that that was maybe what that was. 
And if as long as he's cleared, I would imagine he plays Saturday. And it's significant because uh, Michigan's offensive line, the strengths of that offensive line are in the interior. I would argue like their two best PFF grades, I think for their offensive line are on the middle in the, on the interior. So I, I there, he is a huge part of this game and, and not just what he does individually, but as we've already talked about getting him back for that rotation, that, that core rotation, being able to already have Tyreek Williams and Ty Hamilton, and then add Mike Hall there. Like if you don't understand how the presence of Mike Hall either next to, or occasionally subbing in for Tyreek Williams makes Tyreek Williams even better then it, it it's obvious. Uh, although they have a, also had times where they just let Tyreek Williams cook for 60 minutes or, or his portion of the 60 minutes, defense portion of the 60 minutes. And Eichenberg, we all knew was coming back. You know, Knowles was very um, effusive in his love of, of Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg. Um, he'll bring every single ounce of his person to this game and he will fight to defend our honor. That's just the kind of guy that he is. He's the kind of guy we all want on that wall. So he's both referencing the uh, theme song from uh, the original Karate Kid and the Jack Nicholson speech at the end of A Few Good Men. The legend of Tommy Eichenberg. Nathan Baird wrote a story about that last week. You guys should go check out that story if you want more about the legend of Tommy Eichenberg that is apparently here to defend Ohio State's armor. One last news thing. Andrew, since you were at a Mecca book, I think of the three of us, you were the only one to hear him talk. He had a more productive week last week against Minnesota. I think he had five catches for like 80-something yards last week. What did he have to say about just his progress physically and getting back to being the player that he was pre-ankle injury? Yeah. Uh, Emeka Ibuka said all of this when asked about his health. Feeling good. Healthy. End scene. So that's where we're at with Emeka. Um, He was very, like I said earlier in this pod, he was very reserved. He was very calm. Uh, you... You, I mentioned he the things he was saying, like the words were were you could kind of tell that there was something under the surface, but he was pretty short. He was pretty buttoned up today. He did mention that he's getting better every single week. He said that he felt as good as he had in a while last week against Minnesota. Uh, obviously, the stats bear that out. It was his best game statistically since the Notre Dame game. Um, you know, he's only played in a handful of games this year, or he's only, he's missed a handful of games, I should say this year. Um, but he feels, at least he said, he feels that he is ready to go for Saturday. Um, I mean, this is one of those games where it would genuinely take probably like a tranquilizer gun to keep some of these guys off the field. Um, but that doesn't feel like a worry with Emeka. He, he looks, he looked better just from the eye test, from what we saw, from what fans saw, from what everybody saw. And then that kind of backed up today where, you know, he was saying he feels good. He's getting healthier. He expects to feel even healthier this week against Michigan. So again, very buttoned up, but it uh, sounds like he is on the up and up in terms of his health. Okay. So we're going to take a break there. And when we come back from the break, some offensive line talk because Ryan Day and Kyle McCord got asked some interesting things about where the offensive line is 11 weeks and 11 games into the season, heading into the most important game of the season. Plus, as Andrew already mentioned earlier, Denzel Burke had some things to say. And while everybody else maybe kept it vanilla with how they talked about Michigan, not so much for Ohio State star cornerback. So we'll get into that and more. We come back here on Buckeye Talk. Get the text. 614-350-3776. 
3315. A lot of texts were going out on Tuesday as we were talking with Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and a bunch of players. Listen, there's a survey going around for the Big Pod on Wednesday. A lot of legacy talk for that Big Pod when that comes out on Wednesday. And get news, get analysis, get everything you want and more. Two-week free trial, $399. After that, 614-350-3315. Let's start with the offensive line stuff first, Nathan. You were asking Kyle McCord questions about the offensive line. Ryan Day was getting questions about the offensive line. How does the head coach slash play caller and the quarterback feel about this starting unit of Josh Simmons, Donovan Jackson, Carson Hensman, Matthew Jones, and Josh Fryer heading into a game against an opponent who will probably challenge this offensive line more than it's been challenged all season? Like with so many different storylines with this team it's all led to this right and it wasn't like when we were scrutinizing that offensive line back in the spring it wasn't because we thought the offensive line wouldn't be good enough to be indiana like regardless of what it looked like right it was about would it be ready to win these kinds of games and they've already passed some tests they passed the notre dame test they passed the uh, Penn State test. I'm not saying they pass those with flying colors. I'm not saying they ace them. I'm not saying they're going to MIT off of the scores that they got in those games. What I am saying is they, they, the team won the games. Like we, we wondered at one point if the offensive line would be the undoing of this season. It has not been. This is the last one that it really has to get over to, to prove where it is. And there has been progress. I know that progress has seemed glacial at times. I know that there have been times when it seemed like it was even stalling out. I get it. I think it's been pretty steady, though, for the past several weeks. One indication of that, the highest-graded offensive player for Ohio State in this last game, the Minnesota game, that played more than six plays, I think Joe Royer actually was number one for playing six plays, but of the guys who played the bulk of the game, Josh Simmons. Highest score on the Ohio State offense. So Now, we've always said with the PFF grades, grain of salt, whatever. But that's higher than Marvin Harrison Jr. That's higher than Trevion Henderson going for 182 yards and two touchdowns or whatever. Like, Josh Simmons had the highest grade. That means something because when he was grading in the 40s or 50s or whatever, we were like, oh, he's not that good. Well, now he's grading in the 80s. And he has to do it again. That's the premise of this whole offensive line talk. But they have, with the defense, we knew it by Notre Dame. Notre Dame, by the time by the time that game was over, we were like, this is one of the best defenses in the country. They're going to be able to win any game on the back of this defense. Like the defense is going to keep them in literally any game. And this is the the one though where the defense hasn't faced a challenge like this yet. The Penn State offense was garbage. It's just garbage. And the Notre Dame offense was limited. Like it was better, but it was limited. And this is the one, this is the team that can move the ball on you. This is the team that if you, even if you take away the explosives and force them to drive, they know how to drive. Like they know how to chunk, churn it out, especially on their home field and and keep possession and keep your offense off the field. So that's going to put more pressure on this offensive line for this game, regardless of all the other things they are going to have to score more probably to win this game than they've had to score to win any other game. Like they haven't given up more than 17 points in a game like this will be there. They may have to do that. And it was good enough at Notre Dame. Only scoring 17 points is good enough at Notre Dame. You can't bank on that 
So that's why you're still getting questions about this offensive line, because it's fair based on what we saw early this year and the fact that they haven't faced an offense anywhere near this, that they have to be ready to, uh, there's going to be less margin for error than they've had in any other game. About Tom McCord, when I asked him about it, his his response from his perspective, because I wanted, you know, I, the way I asked it was from your perspective, what's the most important thing that this offensive line has done in terms of development this year? And he talked about cohesion. He talked about it being five guys who are playing together now, as opposed to being five guys who are learning how to play together. And there's a big distinction when you're talking about offensive line play. You can go look at any number of, you know, studies people have done like people who've put some academic thought into football and you you see the second third years that offensive lines have played together in the NFL for instance you or, or the bulk the the majority of those offensive lines you see real exponential benefits from it like it they things start to build and i think what you've seen over the course of this season is five guys who are more cohesive now who know how to play with each other and they know what to expect from each other and it's it looks like more of a full unit as opposed to five guys trying to do individual things. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Andrew, if I had to ask you from a scale of one to ten, what is your confidence level that this offensive line won't cost Ohio State the game? You know, I was thinking about that with my answer. I'm going to say, so I mean, one I would being, hope so. I hope you didn't well, just no, I was whatever came to your yeah, mind first. I was thinking about something similar. Um, so one being, I'm convinced that they're going to screw it up. 10 being, I'm convinced they won't. Is that, is that the scale? So I'm yes. at like a, I'm at like a six, I think. Like I, you know, Nathan kind of made the, the comment and this was what I was kind of referring to a second ago like nathan made the comment like they didn't pass all these previous tests with flying colors but they still did pass them like ohio state's offensive line right now is at the point that i'm sure everybody listening to this at some point whether one class or their entire academic career has had the thought of c's get degrees and that's kind of where ohio state's offensive line is at i think right now where it's like you don't need to go out there josh simmons doesn't need to be olufashanu and joe alt put together right Josh Fryer does not have to be Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones does not have to show up for this offensive line. And Luke Whipler does not have to show up for this offensive line. You just need to be good enough. And I think that that's where I'm at with this offensive line because grading on a curve, obviously there are differences between running for four and a half yards of carry against Notre Dame is is different than running for four and a half yards of carry against Youngstown state. Like there, there are differences here. And I, I don't know if those are actually the numbers. I didn't have that offhand. I just made those up, but you get what I'm saying. Like the Indiana game, that's like D or F for Ohio state, right? Like that's where we started at with this team because they, they didn't look in sync as a unit. And more importantly, they didn't look good individually. Like there were just some performances that you kind of looked at in that week one game and went, Oh, oh boy. Oh, that's not good. And you kind of had some of the similar stuff going on against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky where they didn't look great in, or as a unit and they didn't look great individually at times. And Ryan made that distinction today, which I thought was interesting and I thought it was a good point because I've been thinking this too. You're not – like you are seeing the cohesiveness. You are seeing the, these five guys. They've played together all year. They they haven't had injury concerns as every Ohio State fan knocks on wood as I say that. They haven't really had a ton of injury concerns. and 
more than that, though, they've gotten better individually. Like, I think we've seen Josh Simmons adjust to Big Ten football better. You know, that has allowed Donovan Jackson to play better. You know, you have just kind of gone down the line and you could point to individual improvements. And then as they've gotten better, that obviously makes the entire front five better. And as they played together, that has just kind of made things better. So I think with Ohio State right now, the name of the game isn't we're like, if they can do this, hooray for Ohio State, you're going to win the game by a lot of points. Like, the name of the game isn't running out there and saying, we are going to bulldoze this defensive line and we're going to run for eight yards a carry and we're going to do all this crazy. Like, if you do that, great. And and that should be the goal that you shoot for, I guess. What's the saying? Like, shoot for the moon, you'll be amongst the stars or whatever. That's, I guess, if you want to say that's the goal, fine, for Ohio State's offensive line. But as long as you don't screw it up, like, if you do enough in the running game, Trevion Henderson will find a way to get down the field. If you do enough in the passing in the pass blocking game, Common Core is going to find Marvin Harrison Jr. eventually, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do something ridiculous eventually. And Emeka Ibuka, same thing. Like if you just do enough, you don't have to get an A. This, like this, if you want to say that this is the final exam for Ohio State, even though if you pass this exam, there would be you know three more, uh, or potentially three more. Like you don't like I understand where you know where that could be construed, but you don't need an a you don't have to go out there and win you know because you're running for eight yards of carry and comicord doesn't get touched all afternoon you just need to be good enough and i feel pretty confident that this offensive line is good enough i might call the big 10 championship game a take-home quiz more than an exam <laughs> an open note an open note yeah, open test. note a open note yes yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't I, i'm not including that but the playoff ones of course there are definitely exams so nathan i'll ask you the same thing that because i think andrew's right they don't need to be an a they probably need to be a cc plus we grade the quarterback all the time we never really grade any of the other positions but what is your confidence level one to ten that this offensive line on saturday can be at a C to C plus level, which I think I agree with Andrew is enough to make sure it is not the reason it costs you the game on Saturday. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, that's a different question than what you asked him, which was what's your confidence level. They're not going to screw it up or something like that. And I think the important thing to remember here is that Ohio state's offensive line could play its best game of the season and it won't be good enough to beat Michigan. That's how good Michigan is up front. Like that's the way to remember this game. Like this is not it's Ohio State doesn't control everything that happens here. It's not either a success by Ohio State or a failure by Ohio State. The other team practices too. Maybe they practice with some information they're not supposed to have, but they're practicing for this game, for this matchup, and they're really good. They have very good, very good football players. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this offensive line going into it. It's not just a question of did this offensive did these individual players you know Kyle McCord today was talking about Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones sort of taking Carson Hensman under their wing and trying to like bring him along be sort of a big brother to him and and help him do this because it's asking a lot of a redshirt freshman who had like very little experience even playing center at any level let alone trying to do it for a team that wants to win a national championship and we knew that going in we knew that he was in a tough spot we knew that uh Josh Simmons was in a tough spot. We knew that there was a reason why Josh Fryer was like only the sixth offensive lineman on that team last year and like a very capable backup and not a starter. Like it's here we are. So, you know, Matt Jones, if he was a better NFL prospect, he'd be in the NFL right now, but 
he is he is where he is in his career in his life and there might be a limit to what he is able to accomplish i don't know we'll see after this year but like that's what this offensive line is and it's if they can't get it done on saturday i don't look at it as an indictment of the individual players on this offensive line. I look at it as an indictment of the program that goes back three years that they didn't solve this better back then. But the all, again, as we've been talking about all along, the only problem is the one in front of him. So I guess I'm probably in the same range of, of like that six, six, six and a half range. Um, it's hard to go all the way to a seven because a seven expresses a, I think a real level of confidence when you're playing a team this good. And that's what I, that's the curve I'm I'm basing this on. Is like when you're. It's not just that they have to go out and win another game. Michigan is just so good defensively, and the other thing that is a factor here, though, I will say that I do know this. If you had taken last year's Ohio State offense and put it with this offensive line and last year's defense, I don't think Ohio State has any chance to beat Michigan in that game. But because of this year's defense. They do, because this year's defense, I think, even as much as I respect Michigan's offense and what they've been able to accomplish, I don't think they're going to go in and just get blown off the field. I don't really even know. Um, it's hard to even imagine what that looks like at this point, right? Like, they've just been so consistently tough and and stingy and relentless at getting off the field and not giving up any big things. So if you're going to hold Michigan in that 20-ish point range, and you tell me this offensive line just has to be good enough to score 21 or whatever, then I, I'm, I think I'm pretty confident in that. I, I think this offensive line can get it done. And I think more to the point, it'll get it done enough that these, these coaches aren't stupid. Like they will design an offensive game plan that plays not only to the strengths of Trevion Henderson and Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and Kate Stover and Julian Fleming, they will do it with one that that plays to the strengths of this offensive line too. And you've seen it by the way they run the ball in recent weeks. You've seen a lot more of that the mm-hmm. gap scheme stuff than the zone stuff. You've seen a lot less of the um that's that stretch of the boundary stuff that was just people were just pulling their hair out all over I don't think they've Buckeye ran, Nation. Yeah, I honestly don't think they've ran stretch to the boundary since the Wisconsin game. And I would have to go back and obviously go look at every single snap. They've, but it has not been a staple of things as of late they've gotten so far away from it that they probably should have run it more just so they could just not run it all in this game like <laughs> let me make michigan have to prepare for it more still but then always just be running it as like a cosmetic thing like once you get mm-hmm. to the second string just have the second string run nothing but stretch to the boundary <laughs> it's just it's just dallin hayden stretch to the boundary over and over again um by the way i did get confirmation from the ncaa just this afternoon i'm gonna read this i haven't even texted it yet so if you're if you're a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315, a lot was coming in all at once. And I did get this from the NCAA because I asked well, them. You don't have to, don't have to say I, you haven't texted yet because by the time they hear this pod, you'll have true. texted it out. But I want the people who know, who are listening, that's true. to know that for this one time, um, this thing that you're hearing now, you could have read before. So it's just a, it's just it's an true. example of why maybe you get the text. That's true. Um, but the, the Football Operating Committee, I believe is what this acronym stands for, um, approved a blanket waiver for the 2023-24 academic year. Um, and it said, um, bowl subdivision football to exempt postseason participation 
which includes conference championship games, and that is important, um, from the limit of four contests that a player could participate in without using a seasonal competition. Now, that was approved last year, which is what Ryan Day was basing Dallin Hayden's usage on. So that's why mm-hmm. he played against Minnesota, because they thought this language, and I guess they knew, I, this had not been really publicized. This happened kind of under the radar because everybody on this beat right. was asking after the game and looking to try to find evidence that this had happened. But someone, Andrew's pointing at himself because he wrote the post yeah. for us. I was but terrified this the, writing this story. Yeah. The NCAA <laughs> confirmed to me today that yes, over the summer, it was approved for this coming year as well. So that's why Dallin Hayden played against Minnesota. That was his third game. He can now play against Michigan. And then that's it. The, it's four games in 12, and then anything after that for this year, now that they've approved this again, and for last year, we'll see if they make it permanent, but they may just be doing it on a one-year, year-by-year basis. Mm-hmm. But he can then now play in the conference championship game and both postseason games, and he'll still have that year of eligibility. I still think Ohio State fans will never be the beneficiary of Dallin Hayden's fifth year of eligibility like either he's going to be an nfl player or he probably won't finish at ohio state let's be honest about it like i think he's probably going to be done after four years i think a lot of this has been uh all to much much ado about nothing as far as protecting his red shirt but as far as why ohio state did it this way i have confirmed yes that is the rule that was again approved for 2023 so yes he can play in this game, that'll be the fourth one, and then he can play as much as he wants as far as Ohio State plays after that. So, so I think there's so a good chance. I think there's a good chance yeah, we could see him earlier in this game than we had before. I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play. Now that we know that, and you've gotten that confirmed, basically Ohio State handled this the right way in terms of making sure they maximized when they used Dallin Hayden this year if they were going to try to redshirt him. Well, also, it can be true that they shouldn't have even been worried about the red shirt in the first place. They should have been just playing because yes. I'm with you. I doubt this guy gets to a tra- – two things can be true. You did it the right I, way, but you also shouldn't have needed to do it in the first place. But I think he's going to play the right way. Yes, because I think he's going to play. I think they map this out in a way where it's like, okay, let's get him some reps against Minnesota so he's not cold going into the Michigan game. But I think – Chip Trainum's role is interesting because they use him in a bunch of different ways. But I am now wondering if Travion is your guy. There's like 15% of me that is thinking, what if Dallin Hayden's your number two? Because you're not worried about eligibility at this point. But here's so the other just, thing. Just to be when clear. When they had a chance to use him. Sorry, Andrew, real quick. But just when they had a chance no, to yeah, use him last year and Trevion didn't play in the game, yeah. and Chip Trainum had not been a running back for, again, for like more yeah. than a couple weeks, Dallin Hayden was an afterthought in the game. So yeah. that adds That's like true. another wrinkle to like, what do they really think of him and, and what would they do with him? It's one of the only mysteries. It was funny. I was like preparing for today's interviews, and I'm like, well, what do we not know at this point? I feel like mm-hmm. it felt like every week there were a lot of questions still about this team. And then somehow we got to this week and I was kind of like, oh, no, I think I know what's going on, like at, like everywhere. Yep. But this was like one of the very few examples. It's like, well, what do you really think of Dallin Hayden? How do you really think you can use him? How much? How much do you trust him? We may find out on Saturday. So just to be clear, he can play in both Michigan and the Big Ten Championship game if they get there. Correct. 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 By what the NCAA told me today. Okay. Cause so that is, by the way, that is a different 
that is a difference from last year. Last year, they didn't release this waiver until mid-December. Uh, so that didn't include conference championship week. So that is a notable change. I was because I was thinking about the math there and I was like, because the way that it was kind of presented to us and the way that we kind of knew this going into like or I guess going out of press conferences last weekend was, OK, this wouldn't count for he can only play one of the two. Basically, he, he could play against Michigan, then he can't play in the Big Ten championship game. Or if he doesn't play against Michigan, then he could. But him playing in both is interesting, and it actually kind of does make me think, you know, maybe, maybe, you, I don't know. I don't know what his role is going to be. But I do think if you get to a Big Ten championship game and you play Iowa, like, you should be up a couple scores on Iowa, and that just gives you the freedom to play him, which they wouldn't have earlier. So, interesting. Good job, Nathan. Na- yeah, great job. Getting yeah. that hey, right on time as we're recording. Golf claps for Nathan. All right, let's wrap up with – what Mr. Burke had to say. Denzel Burke was the only one who gave us any real emotion. I'm not saying everybody else was lying. It's just they wouldn't go there, and Denzel Burke has never had a problem going there since the first time we ever talked to him back when he was a true freshman. He's going to tell you like it is, and he often wears his emotion on his sleeve. But, Nathan, I, I thought the – I have a lot of emotion – that I'm trying to hold back right now, but then also the, I'm not just doing it for myself. I'm doing it for my teammates, for my head coach. He pointed that part out and then he said coaches. And then he said the state of Ohio is very telling for how maybe everybody else in this program right, might feel right now, even if they're not coming out and just point blank saying it. Well, this was just an extension of the role that I think Denzel Burke has played all season. You could also, I guess, argue it's an extension of from the very first interview we ever did with him. He's always been um, pretty sure of himself. That wasn't really what today was about, though. Today was 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 not about. Today was about the Denzel Burke personality, maybe being infused into this team more than it ever has. Because I thought today he has all season long been speaking on behalf of not just, I think the secondary, but in some ways the whole defense when early on this year, when they were sort of first flattening people, he was like, no, this isn't good enough. Like this isn't it. Like you guys don't understand like this, this could be a really great defense. We got to keep going. And they did like, there has just been like, what's been the letdown for this defense after 11 weeks? Like what's the biggest, let down. They gave up a 40-yard trick play uh, to Rutgers. They gave up 17 points to Maryland. There's, there's what's been the big like. The, it's just been a consistent it, build all season. Yeah, and and I think that the way that he and some other people, but he's the most vocal about it. Right, he's the one that's out front saying he holds his team accountable with his actions, with his words, I should say. He holds his team accountable with his words, and it wouldn't mean anything except he also goes out and is one of the best defensive backs in the country and and proves it on the field. And those two things together have been like almost immeasurably important to this defense. So that's what I thought today was an extension of, him saying, him announcing. I mean, he's saying it to us, and I, but I'm, I'm a thousand percent sure he's saying it behind closed doors too, to this team, being like, keeping people in line this week when people start to stray in terms of what they're paying attention to, keeping them online, keeping them locked in to what is supposed to be in front of them and, and what it's going to take to win on Saturday, because he's also speaking for a specific, 
but large contingent on this team of either third-year guys who are off to the NFL, most likely after this season, or fourth-year guys who are in the same boat, or or fourth-year guys who are just done and aren't coming back, and they've never beaten Michigan. And it's like the idea that in a, that a class can go through and not have gold pants, like this will be the could be the second cycle through for some of that. Like there are guys who were 2020 freshmen who played three years and were gone and they never got their gold pants. Like that's crazy. Like Paris Johnson, CJ Stroud, like those guys didn't do that. And now they're, you know, high first round draft picks and CJ Stroud's been amazing in the NFL. And to, to think that someday somebody's going to look back and be like, Hey, how many gold pants did you have? And he has to be, well, none. Now, yes, I know the game was canceled 20, but still like that, that, that is that absence is there and this team. There's a lot of guys on this team who feel that absence. And I asked that question today, like, you know, does, you know, I know that you're saying to Denzel Burke when he was going, when he was being kind of open with us, you know, he was saying about, um, I don't remember how he answered the original question, uh, before my follow-up, but my follow-up to him was like, well, but isn't there a different vibe? Like, I know that you guys are, um, you know, you're treating it like a different game or whatever, but like, isn't, is there a different vibe for those of you who are third year guys? And he admitted that like, absolutely. Like it's, it changes things this week when you know that there's a real finality to this. Like you, you don't get to come back for redemption next year. You don't get to come back for your next shot at them, which could be two or three shots a year, depending on how things go with uh, the big 10 and the playoff. Like this, there's a real finality to this game for a lot of guys on this team. And we don't need to speak this out there, but obviously, the other part of the finality is it's going to be the last time you see some of these Ohio State players that are your favorite players play an Ohio State game if they don't win on Saturday. That's just the reality. Like the NFL bound guys, this might be it for them on Saturday. And they know that it's not in forefront of their mind, but it's it's reality. And I think that that also contributes to the motivation that you feel that you really kind of felt in a heavy way today. Andrew, what did you think about what Denzel Burke said today? Um, you guys ever make pasta and you put too much water in and you start to see it start to boil over and you have to like move it real quick and change it? That's the way that Denzel Burke is. That's the way that he approached today for me. You, you could see that it was ready to it was ready to boil over. It was ready to spill over. It kind of did in a couple of the different places. Like, you know, he said the one time, I'm trying not to get out of character here. And he had to tone himself back. Uh, he got asked about respect between the players. You know, so I think the question was something like, hey, you know, the respect between coaches, um, you know, is one thing. But is there a respect between the players? And he laughed and was kind of like, huh. Um, and he, th- he had to think about it for like five seconds or so. Like it just to me, he was very, very close to just really letting everything that he wanted to say go. Um, you know, so for me, I mean, you could, you could tell that this is a dude like Nathan was saying, you're, you're talking about it for him. I mean, he said it, you have to live with this for 365 days a year when you lose. Right. And they've lost twice in a row now. And like, this is a situation for him where he just, it, he looked sick of it. Like, I don't know if you guys got that impression, too. Like, he looked sick of having to get up there and talk about getting Michigan back and not beating Michigan and not doing all this. Like, he looked so ready to be done with those questions 
and he just looked very, very muffled. Like he was trying, he was like, for as much as Emeka was calm and serene almost, and just trying very, you know, very tranquil in terms of the way that he answered questions and saying, you can't win the game on, on Saturday. It's Tuesday. It's a slow build. It felt like Denzel could have immediately strapped it up and gone and played. like Denzel felt ready. So to me, this was a guy who is like, just looks sick of having to talk about Michigan and having to talk about them losing to Michigan. Like, this was a guy who was ready to say some some crazy stuff. And, you know, probably fortunately for him and for Ohio State, it, you know, he didn't really go crazy overboard. Nathan, I thought the most interesting thing you said there, I guess, soliloquy was the fact that some of your favorite players could potentially be playing in their last game on Saturday, depending on what the result is, especially if they lose. And that happened in 2021. With Garrett and Chris, like that was the last time we saw him in an Ohio State jersey. But that's two players from a room that, as elite as they are, the guys up next in line made it so, okay, it's fine. They're just not going to have Garrett and Chris for a Rose Bowl. But that just means Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and Jackson Smith the Jigwer are going to be able to do more. So fine. Whatever. I think this one is that much bigger because this is the foundation of a team. And really has been for the past three years. Like, I... Denzel Burke has been the face of that because he has played more football than anybody else from that 2021 class, like meaningful football, because he's been a starter for three years, literally since day one. But if they lose, how different does this team look in a New Year's Six Bowl? Just how how many different pieces from different position rooms, both sides of the ball are not available because wisely they probably decide I'm just going to go start getting ready for the NFL draft. And because this 2021 class, whether we talked about it from a recruiting aspect and how highly rated it was, or the fact that so many of them quickly forced their way onto the field, they've been the foundation of the core so far of the Ryan Day era of Ohio State football. And even the 2020 class, I like we, you just said it, yes, they've lost to Michigan every single time, but they also probably would have a win if the game gets played in 2020, just the way that game played out. This 2019 class, they won against Michigan in 2019, even if they didn't play a role. All this 2021 class knows is losing to Michigan. And so we're going to get into a lot more of this on the Legacy Pod on Wednesday and how many different legacies are in play with this game and whatnot. That'll be a more big picture thing. But that 2021 class's legacy is on the line because it was so hyped up. And from an individual standpoint, a lot of these guys have lived up to the hype, whether you're talking Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, JT Tweemolowal, Travion Henderson, Jack Sawyer, to different levels, they've all lived up to the hype of what they were as recruits. Some have outplayed it, so it's like Denzel Burke and Tyleek Williams. But as a unit, they haven't done anything special yet. And this is really their last time to get the chance to do something special by turning this rivalry around in a year where it's never going to mean quite this much ever again. And I thought Denzel Burke was the perfect person four days before you play this game to be the face and the voice of that because he was the first one to be the face and the voice of that for this class. And now him having a chance to have his word said on a Tuesday, a few days before the game, and then go out there on Saturday and kind of back up some of the things he was talking. I thought there's something poetic in that, that the first one out of the class has, to your point, Nathan, 
embedded his identity, especially on that defense and how they operate and how they conduct themselves as a defense in some ways as a team as well. You know, we talked about uh, over the summer, um, I mean, going back a couple years, I mean, we started talking about this in 2021, what this team could accomplish. And over the summer, we started throwing around the term super team DNA was still with this team, even though some things hadn't really come to fruition. You know, it's not Quinn Ewers here, it's Kyle McCord, still a five-star quarterback. But like, you know, some things had changed, but the 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 nucleus of why we thought this could be a really great team, a national championship team, was still here. And it's largely that 2021 class, whether it's JT Tuamaloa and Jack Sawyer, whether it's like Tyreek Williams, as you say, and especially the way he's emerged this year, Denzel Burke, um, on and on and on and on. Trevion Henderson, the, the the receivers, like it, Kyle McCord, like it's just it's it is everywhere you look on this team, somebody from that group is critical to each each aspect of this team, and it's it. So that's all about you. You try to through recruiting assemble a nucleus of guys who can win championship games. This is the first championship game. This is the Big Ten East championship game. That's a, a very basic way to look at it from a it's a more utilitarian way to look at it compared to the emotions that I know are here. I know it's more than just the Big Ten East championship game. But in, in terms of the climb that you're trying to make, um, and especially, again, as I texted to our, our and I wrote about for our site on Tuesday morning, um, I don't think the back door might be open this year for whoever loses this game. Like last year, we knew going into the game that like, well, if you lose, then like a couple of things have to go right. This year, if you lose, like a bunch of stuff has to go right. Like you really have to start stacking up the right teams, winning the right championship games and stuff. Like it's going to be harder to do that. So I think this is an elimination game in a way that last year was not. And even in a way 2021 was not because you knew you'd already lost once in 2021 and any second loss was going to take you out. So there's just, like I said before, there's a finality here. And part of that finality is that guys know this is it. This is their, not just their last chance to play Michigan. It might be their last chance to play anybody in an Ohio state uniform for some of these people. And that has to be a huge motivator this week. And this, this 2021 class, um, you can say that, yes, they haven't maybe accomplished that much yet, but I think it's more fair to say that this was the year it was all pointed to anyway. Like, last year, they would have been more accessories. Like, Trevin Henderson was still an important player last year. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka were important players last year, and, and JT and Jack were in the mix last year, too. But they weren't, across the board, the frontline players that they are now. Even Tyreek Williams was not what he is now. Like the, it, It's more about you know, this third year. And if you're good enough that all those guys are out after three years, well, then that means it's a small window, but it's really more about everything has been building towards this year and this game. That's fair. Cause even with Marvin and Emeka, they were supposed to be kind of right. the Robin to Jackson Smith, the Jigba's Batman. And then he got her. So that's fair. When you, your second year, you're an accessory, even if you're supposed to be on the field and then you become the identity of the team in the third year. You're right. We're here. Two years ago, we did a pod about a super team that Ohio State could have. And we're in here now. We're in the window. This is where it matters. We're going to, I don't know if they're going to get the super team level, but some of the things that come with being a super team, like winning a national title 
All of that is on the line on Saturday. We will continue to explore that on the Wednesday pod. Like I said, a lot of legacy talk for a lot of different people. Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, this class, Kyle McCord, all that and above will be the Wednesday pod. Get the text 614-350-3315. I don't, I'm calling it the Wednesday pod, but really it's like the Wednesday evening pod. We're getting things to you a little late this week, but it's with reason. We wanted to talk. We wanted to see what Jim Harbaugh had to say before we potted on Monday. We wanted to see what Ryan Day and these players had to say before potting on Tuesday. And it'll kind of be the same thing. So stuff will continue to get through you on the evening. The first pod that will get to you on the morning will be the game preview pod on Friday. But stick with us and get the text 614 614- 350-3315, two-week free trial, three ninety nine. after that. For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.